0: Good evening everybody, Uh, I'm Stuart Corbridge, I'm one of the Pro Directors here at LSE and it's a great pleasure to welcome you to the school for tonight's talk on the Human Economy, an ongoing international project by Professor Keith Hart. Uh, The lecture is jointly sponsored by the school's Department of Anthropology and its Department of Geography and Environment. So Keith's going to talk for about 40 minutes uh, and then we'll have Question and answers. And as the time please, to turn off your mobile phones or anything irritating. That's, uh, that's you too. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that Keith Hart will be known to practically everybody in this room, uh, particularly for the work that he did several decades ago now in introducing and then mainstreaming the concept of the informal economy into development studies. Uh, Professor Hart, however, in addition to this very substantial accomplishment. After all, most of us don't actually have a major social science concept indelibly associated with our names. But Keith's also well known for his work on the political economy of West African agriculture, and more recently, I think, for an important body of work on the sociology of money. Um, His book from 2001, Money in an an Unequal World, uh, is an especially significant contribution to that field and if memory serves me well I read it I think pretty well after it came out. It's a book that can very usefully be read alongside such classics as Zimmel's The Philosophy of Money but also I think Michael Tausig's early work on the devil and commodity fetishism in South America. Uh, Keith's more recent books include from 2005 The Hitman's Dilemma or Business Personal and Impersonal which is Chicago University Press and from last year uh, 2010, The Human Economy, uh, a book co-written with Jean-Louis Laville and Antonio David Catani. Uh, that's a book which aims to challenge some of the machine-like constructions of the economy which govern our everyday lives. And we'll be hearing more about this book, I'm sure, shortly. Uh, Keith Hart, for many years, directed the African Studies Centre at Cambridge University. Happily for him I expect he now spends his time mainly in Paris and in Durban Keith is currently the emeritus professor uh, an emeritus professor of anthropology at Goldsmiths College here in London and an honorary professor at the University of KwaZulu Natal and we're delighted to have us you, we're delighted sorry I got in very late last night from Delhi we're delighted to have you with us here at the school tonight okay thank you
1: Let's go. I've never done a PowerPoint before, but I, uh, so, uh, okay. This is me and how to contact me if you ever feel like it. Uh, I'm going to talk about, uh, where the book, uh, The Human Economy, uh, A Citizen's Guide came from. Um, and, uh, What wasn't mentioned is that it will be available for sale after the lecture Uh, um, which since I'm from Manchester where we know the price of everything and the value of nothing is one of the serious uh, considerations of this event for me. The book, as a project, came out of Latin American politics in the 1990s, uh, when a whole series of new expressions emerged, uh, including solidarity economy and popular economy, uh, to describe the possibility of self-organized economic development uh, uh, in that region. And in the first two world social forums of... uh, Uh, held in Porto Alegre in 2001-2002, a project was developed uh, to try to systematize the uh, uh, analytical tools that were available for uh, 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 such a project. And uh, a book was uh, published in Brazil in 2002 and immediately translated into Spanish and published in Argentina it was uh, very much uh, uh, conceived of as a contribution globally to the anti-globalization movement of the day, which uh, since has been renamed um, by most people, alter-globalisation. Uh, globalization. That is to say, not against globalization, but seeking another version of it than the don- dominant one, and in fact, uh, we have here uh, Jeffrey Players, who has published a, a, an excellent book uh, summarizing the achievements of this movement It's called "Alta Globalization," and Jeffrey Players is the author. so that the the basic idea of this uh, 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 publishing venture uh, was to establish Uh, a a straightforward guide to activists as well as researchers in the field uh, to alternative principles for uh, the organization of the economy. So it took the form um, of a dictionary. uh, From the beginning, its title was, in various languages, Dictionary of the Other Economy. That is to say, how else can we do it? And the principle was essentially a series of chapters listed in alphabetical order addressing some of the basic concepts and uh, giving people uh, a a, a means of entry into the history of debate concerning informal economy, fair trade, microcredit or uh, any of the other ways through which people might seek to advance their economic interests in unconventional ways. I mean, from the beginning, this uh, project was very sure of the need to combine theory and practice, not to allow it to be uh, uh, overwhelmed by intellectuals, as it were. Uh, Although it has to be said that most of the books are quite uh, solid uh, uh, productions and require uh, serious reading effort, nevertheless... Uh, as in the 2009 World Social Forum in Belém which brought together uh, those concerned with democracy that is the activists and those concerned with science that is the researchers into some active dialogue uh, it has always always been the case that this publishing process which has gone through uh, a series of uh, 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 stages over the last decade uh, was uh, drew from and informed uh, practical attempts to engage with the development process. And uh, in the last decade, uh, the Dictionary of the Other Economy was published in Portuguese, Spanish, and then uh, uh, particularly in French, and the French volume was translated into Italian. Uh, The French volume, Dictionnaire de l'autre Économie, uh, it was published early on, 2002 3 but an expanded version came out in 2006, published by a mainstream publisher, Gallimard, in paperback. It contains 60 essays, it was very thick, and it, only, it cost less than uh, 11 euros. And this book uh, uh, sold 6,000 copies in the first, uh, uh, first year uh, after publication. In 2009, a Portuguese version from Portugal rather than Brazil was published. That had a print run of 2000. It came out January 2009 and sold out in two months. So it's not just that this is a well-meaning publishing venture linked to well-meaning interventions in development, but that it does appear... Uh, to tap into some perceived public need. Uh, uh, and, and we hope that this book uh, will, will do so also. Uh, but there was a limitation to this uh, project, which was it was limited almost exclusively to writers and readers in um, Portuguese, Spanish, French, and Italian. Uh, now, I came into this project uh, as a result of reading the, uh, uh, um, the Dictionnaire de Lottery Economy, which enthused me enormously. I, I, I had never really seen anything like it, and I wrote a long review in a, in a mainstream journal. I have been living in Paris for 14 years. Um, My background is, uh, as uh, Stuart said, in African development, I suppose, uh, more generally in economic anthropology. Uh, uh, And uh, if I am associated with the concept of the informal economy, I believe there probably is uh, quite a strong uh, logical relationship between that early uh, research interest in development and the human economy idea, which I hope to make clear. But for me, around 1970, when I was working uh, in Ghana and interacting with development economists, I mean, everybody assumed that the state was the only organization capable of moving uh, poor countries towards some uh, uh, improved level of, of economy. And and, and you know, I I accepted that everybody did. You were either I mean there were no liberals. I think Peter Bauer was kind of struggling in the in, in isolation on the margins. But there were no liberal economists worth talking about then. You were either a Keynesian or a Marxist, and you argued from that basis. That is, what kind of state was going to lift the country uh, 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 towards uh, an improved economic future. And for me, the informal economy idea, which was never conceived of as a concept by me, was simply an attempt to see uh, what it was that people do practically that escapes from this notion that the economy is governed by and defined by state action. So I just wanted to see what people really do and how a concern with that might um, uh, uh, inform uh, development uh, e- economic theory and practice. Um, I've lived in Paris for the last 14 years and I believe that I've been extraordinarily lucky to uh, hang out with and interact with uh, what I believe is a is, is, is probably the greatest efflorescence of economic sociology that has ever taken place anywhere. Uh, there is a recent book, I think last year, edited by um, Philippe Steiner and uh, Francois Vatan called Chete de Sociologie Économique, which has about 15, page, 15 chapters, uh, which uh, demonstrate the extraordinary range and power of this uh, economic sociology Uh, some of it not politically engaged but a very large part uh, coming out of the social democratic socialist left in France and it seemed to me that it was a shame that that this work which I I could see was uh, uh, was remarkable uh, had virtually no audience uh, in the English speaking world And even worse, I mean, in the noughties, as it were, I mean, they lost their audience in France under Chirac and uh, Sarkozy. They had a more active uh, public presence uh, in the time of the Jospin Socialist government, but not more recently. And it seemed to me that one of the reasons for this was that the credit boom was still firing away and uh, critical perspectives on the economy Uh, really didn't uh, find much of a a public uh, acceptance at the time. And I was sure that the credit boom would crash at some stage. And so I engaged with uh, my colleagues, Jean-Louis Laville and Antonio David Catani, uh, to uh, develop uh, an English language version uh, which I hoped would come out in time for the crash. I mean, you know, it's a bit like Ed Balls. You know, you hope, you know, it's going to fail, and then you can say you're right. Um, only you wouldn't say that, would you? Uh, so uh, this was the uh, the notion that I had of, of, of helping with my colleagues to create a, a bridge to the Anglophone world. And as I said, it, it represented... Uh, A collaboration between my French and Brazilian partners, an attempt to build on the achievement of several volumes published over the previous decade and bring it in some form to an English language uh, uh, public. And it really does involve quite a lot of thinking and work to to translate uh, concepts which are deeply embedded in in Latin understandings of language and 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 uh, and society to bring this into some sort of um, uh, English uh, anglophone uh, context. I just wanted to mention before passing on that uh, in at present I, I also uh, Stuart mentioned that I have a, an honorary chair in. Um, in uh, Durban, but I also have one in, in Pretoria, the uh, University of Pretoria, and we have launched their postdoctoral program on the human economy, in which all the, uh, 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 the first fellows have been uh, recruited with, with the aim of a South South dialogue. We have fellows from Brazil, Jamaica, Nepal, India, Zimbabwe, South Africa. Uh, The book, uh, as I've already mentioned, I don't need to dwell on this, Uh, it has 32 chapters. Uh, uh, The the book's title was changed from The Other Economy to The Human Economy and I intend to explore the reasons for that. Uh, It has, has 32 chapters by authors from 14 countries and uh, one-third of these were taken from the Dictionnaire the uh, Lottery Economy and translated. I mean, you can have a look at the range of uh, people uh, who, who are represented, you know, countries and, and regions that are represented there. But essentially what we did is added some Brits, Americans, and Scandinavians to the original package. Uh, The previous issues of the uh, dictionary uh, were organized in alphabetical order and we decided this time to organize them thematically. So there are five sections which you can see there. I don't want to uh, go into that in any real detail now, uh, but they do represent uh, an attempt to create a sort of rhythm and dynamic in the way that these chapters are presented. The individual chapters were not commissioned to throw light on the idea of the human economy. That was uh, a notion that we uh, developed in our introduction, but in fact none of the uh, authors addresses the question of the human economy. Uh, uh, And indeed the relationship of the idea of uh, a human economy to this overarching and ongoing uh, international project is... Still moot. I mean, what we asked the authors to do was to take a concept, which is often treated in isolation, and show where it came from, what the main uh, debates are within the field, what achievements might be related to it, and uh, perhaps a short reading list. Um, at the end. It's an attempt really to give readers a chance to who, who might have heard about, let's say, fair trade and, and would like to know more about it, uh, to give them some sense of that concept, where it came from uh, but also to show that in the hands of Latin Americans it goes far beyond uh, anything <coughs> that perhaps might add up to ethical shopping in North London. Uh, I mean for them it really is uh, an attempt to reorganize regional economies and to feed directly into negotiations at the global level over north-south terms of trade um, I've mentioned Jeffrey players uh, uh, chapter I just thought I'd give you a, a, a brief uh, indication of the kind of topics that we are concerned with here uh, Julie Nelson is a very prominent feminist economist. She has written a wonderful book called Economics for Humans, uh, which is published by Chicago, and uh, uh, that's a a particularly good uh, uh, introduction. Catherine Alexander from Goldsmiths has reviewed the quite complex and burgeoning literature on the third sector and has played, uh, and, and helps people to understand how two very different traditions have emerged in America and Europe between America where, where third sector is identified with non-profit and in Europe where third sector is concerned more with uh, the uh, organization and uh, the, the character of the beneficiaries of uh, particular kinds of firm. Uh, Jérôme Blanc is a specialist in complementary and uh, community currencies. Uh, I wish that in English we had something as as elegant as Monnaie Sociale, but we we don't. Uh, but I'm using it anyway. And finally, Felix Stalder. Uh, uh, this is just half a dozen out of uh, 32 uh, chapters. Uh, ...looks at uh, attempts to um, establish uh, common property regimes uh, on the internet... ...looking particularly at free software, uh, free culture, and A2K uh, access to knowledge. Uh, This enterprise is uh, based on an ability to look back at the 20th century... And, uh, and, and say, well, what have we learned from the 20th century? I mean, democracy, is, certainly in complex societies, probably societies everywhere, requires us to reconcile freedom and equality, and that's not easy, but it is uh, our presumption. And both uh, free market uh, so-called democracies and state socialism sacrifice democracy to one pole of Uh, uh, These uh, principles. I mean in one, markets were left uncontrolled in the name of individual freedom and generated huge inequalities. Uh, In the other, public bureaucracies uh, coerced their populations in the name of equality. Uh, So we know we don't want to go back, at least we know that we don't want to go back to either of those. Um, and we hope that the present situation of the financial crisis and this aftermath uh, will provide a world uh, 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 in which it becomes less obvious that the uh, principles of free market economics are unanswerable so what we're claiming is that we need to build and instead of choosing markets over states or states over markets or self-organized, voluntary uh, association over any kind of formal organization. Uh, We believe that we need to combine all the the basic methods that have been developed in the modern period for extending our social reach and uh, developing our interaction and, uh, and, and, and societies. So we believe that we need markets to circulate commodities, but these markets should not be without limit. Uh, We believe that states are uh, essential, both for redistributive purposes and to guarantee the social rights of citizens. We believe also that the voluntary reciprocity of self-organized groups, uh, mutuality in its various forms, the kind of thing which is generated uh, 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 from the fact that we actually live together in society, that this too is an essential part, and the new challenge which is not adequately been addressed by uh, uh, critical thinkers of any persuasion, is that we live in a world which is rapidly forming uh, 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 as a world society, Uh, uh, organized by uh, universal means of communication for the first time in human history capable of expressing universal ideas in a universal way. Uh, The speed with which uh, society uh, is uh, forming at the global level uh, represents an urgent uh, 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 need for us to address. And uh, and so we feel that whatever uh, 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 we want to make of the other three, we also have to think very seriously about extending society to a more inclusive level. Now, this book is called the Human Economy, and it rests on the idea um, that what we need is—I mean I, mean, I mean—I have no problem with the uh, the the the. the, the The mission of economics. I mean, I think the idea that uh, the things that matter most to us in securing our material existence should be put on a more reliable and regular basis which is rational and understandable is something that I can uh, easily buy into. Uh, But uh, it is the case also that the economics profession in uh, the 20th century Uh, has uh, pushed uh, understandings of economics and of economy to a very narrow and, I think, quite unsustainable uh, uh, form. So I start as an anthropologist by asking, what uh, does economy mean? And I look it up in English dictionaries, I mean, American as well as English. And I come up with five uh, ideas which seem to be covered in popular usage by the term economy. One of them is the idea of order and and of management. The second is uh, budgeting or thrift or efficient uh, conservation of resources, economising. The third is a more general and broad notion that it is concerned with practical issues. Uh, the fourth, uh, which is becoming more and more dominant, is the economy is mainly about money and transactions that involve money and about wealth, how much and so on and so forth. And finally, uh, the idea of economy is for us uh, increasingly associated simply with those transactions that are contained within the market. Now If we look at the history of ideas concerning economy over the last two and a half thousand years. It's uh, obvious that economy has moved in terms of its sphere of reference, uh, originating uh, in the idea of household management and uh, then for the last two hundred years or more becoming identified with the proliferation of markets. So that at least until uh, um, the early nineteenth century uh, the idea of economy was associated with domestic uh, organization, the household in one form or another. Uh, the idea of public economy recognized that markets were creating public interests that could not be uh, identified with uh, the household, and so political economy emerged as well. But even in 1820, I mean, Jane Austen is saying. Um, in Mansfield Park, that one of her characters is not a very good economist because she doesn't know how to handle the servants. So, 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 you know, this this notion that the house is intrinsic to uh, um, economy uh, uh, remains with us in many forms, especially in the notion of economizing, which originally in Aristotle and Xenophon's hand meant uh, uh, rational uh, budgeting, uh, uh, trying to conserve the resources of a manorial estate uh, with the interest of self-sufficiency. Um, this next uh, uh, observation is a bit packed, and just trying to say that how did we get from uh, the uh, notion of an economy as an isolated rural household Uh, to the idea of a a world economy, let's say, today. And, uh, in fact, forms of household play the major part in uh, extending the range of economy to society. Monasteries, manorial estates, uh, temples, and palaces all uh, played uh, this role. But in any case, somehow, the notion of economy was extended to include kingdoms and then cities and nations and finally the world so one of the things that I'm interested in is whether we can retain uh, the notion of house uh, in a world uh, that is constituted principally by markets and and so I, 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 I I've come up with a provisional uh, definition of economy as the attempt to put one's house in order at any level of social inclusiveness uh, in a world that is increasingly shaped by markets and uh, so I'm I I believe if we're thinking about economy we have to deal with something quite hard which is that Economies are being pulled in towards some notion of local self-sufficiency and are being pushed out into engagement with a more inclusive uh, world. Uh, So the economy is pulled in two directions at once. It's pulled in to secure local guarantees of a community's rights and interests. This is a very profound human need and it's one that all forms of association share. But it's also the case that these local communities are never self-sufficient. They have to, I mean, whether you're talking about Melanesian islands or anywhere, I mean, no uh, uh, community, however it tries to draw a boundary around its own local interests and so on, Uh, they all have to engage with foreigners at some level uh, in order to meet uh, the supply of the full range of needs that, and wants that constitute their civilization and as Marcel Mauss uh, argued uh, that the, it might be useful to conceive of this process of extension to engage with others as taking place with, through the medium of money and markets, even though the notion of what those words mean would have to be extended very widely so that it might include, for example, the cooler ring uh, of Malinowski. So this, these reflections on, on, on what economy is and how we might conceive of it uh, lead to another uh, way of stating the rather sterile um, uh, dualisms of the, of the Cold War and what preceded and, and, and succeeded it. There has to be more to the problem of economy than a choice between controlling the market in the name of local society uh, or relying on the market as society's sole means of development. Now this recent argument is uh, developed in another book that I've just published. Uh, uh, is coming out next month. It's a book uh, uh, co-authored with Chris Han economic anthropology uh, history, ethnography, critique and um, our, uh, that book's coming out and a lot of the argument that I've just been skipping over is developed at much greater length there ok so to return now to how the, uh, uh, um, this book this English language version of our shared international project uh, relates to the others I mean, these ideas are not completely separate from uh, 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 what went before, but it is the case that that a strong impulse to the project in the early stages could be described as being anti-capitalist. And uh, the problem with saying, we don't want this and calling it capitalism, and uh, what we want is something else, another economy, an alternative, or whatever, um, is that you're operating initially from negation and uh, what you're calling this, or the economy that we know, and its reduction to an idea like capitalism or socialism, uh, uh, really uh, obscures the variety of what people are doing uh, already. So our fundamental understanding is that economies are much more like each other than the stereotypes of our uh, theorizing and comparison would suggest. We like to compare feudalism and capitalism and capitalism and socialism and so on. Uh, But uh, the fact is that uh, what people do Uh, is more similar in all societies and always has been than some of the ways in which we point to their significant differences everywhere today people combine reliance on the state, on markets, on associations, on their families and religions, on mutuality on self-help, on crime and so on and to try and make the point I'll mention uh, how am I doing for time by the way um the 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 i mean uh, uh, a Zulu woman called Lindiwe uh, uh lives in a, a, a township near Dublin. She's a domestic servant. She used to work in a factory uh, she uh, but the factory closed uh She rents from the town council uh she lives with her two adolescent sons who are unemployed and drifting into crime. Uh, she sells beauty products in, 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 in after hours uh, in her neighbourhood she belongs to the United Church of the Kingdom of God she belongs to a, a savings association her mother is crippled and receives a state pension which is one of their principal staples of income uh, she uh, uh, she has you know, an extraordinary range of, uh, of, of sources uh, from which she lives. She has a brother who has AIDS. She has to look after his young daughters. Uh, it's a big problem getting uh, school uniforms for them and, and making the food budget stre- uh, stretch. Uh, uh, she, she's borrowed money from loan sharks and is harassed by them and worse. So, um, I mean, the range of her economic activities and sources is really quite remarkable. And I could uh, speak about mine, just to show that I'm not willing to pin this just on poor black people. I mean, I think uh, a similar analysis... Uh, would uh, uh, affect us all maybe me more than most of you But I I, I mean when I was a university lecturer starting out I worked for The Economist I moonlighted for The Economist I worked as a development consultant Uh, I I retired from Goldsmiths a couple of years ago my pension lost 30% of its value in the first two months and I live in France Uh, so I had to become a currency trader to try and save my assets from uh, this extraordinarily turbulent moment. This is not uh, an activity to which I'm all that averse, uh, since I've been a professional gambler all my life. and, uh, And so, you know, I was a boy gangster in the slums of Accra and so forth. So the idea is that the human economy is not a dream, it is everywhere. It's what people do everywhere. And and, and what our emphasis is not on trying to create something that stands apart from what already exists, but to give to what already exists some different emphasis, a different direction, new combinations, adding new things to old, uh, and and uh, 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 so that you know that that's the basic uh, idea. So. Why then call it a human economy? Uh, The first reason is uh, that the economics that we have or the way the economy is reported in the media uh, has nothing to do or does not touch in any way on most people's lives. So you can't uh, relate to that. And I'm sure you've all um, read my um, uh, piece in The Big Issue around Christmas (laughs) Which is, they have a column called uh, uh, "King for a Day," and um, uh, so you have 330 words to say what you would legislate if you were king for a day. And and I said, well, I think it's a crime that our children know so little about economics, and that and that that that, that, uh, that we spend most of our time trying to separate them from experience with money and. Uh, presented some recommendations. So my first uh, recommendation is that a human economy... I mean, it's interesting that French... the French word economy means both economy and economics. We distinguish between the two, which I think is interesting. I mean, they have two words for law and we have only one. And that is also quite significant. So... um, Economy, then, is remade, made, remade by human beings. That's the first, uh, people doing their stuff. Uh, second, so the third point is that abstraction uh, should be replaced by a, a focus on complex particulars. That is to say that, that how people live is defined by very intimate and local and specific forms of institutional arrangement of the kind that I tried to list for Lin I mean, British social anthropology in its origin drew inspiration from medieval economic history and comparative jurisprudence from the fact that if you want to understand how people live together, resolve their disputes, you have to understand the concrete specificities of the social arrangements that they live in. And this is something that, you know, modern intellectual students, uh, professors, and so on, they don't want, you know, to, to talk about patrilateral cross marriage and and all that kind of stuff. They want to talk about gender, ethnicity, the informal economy, or and it's stuff like that. But I think we have, uh, I think, as anthropologists, never mind others, moved away from uh, uh, this engagement with the complex particulars through which people live, and a and human economy would have to address that, first of all. Uh, clearly, the notion of need and interest has to be expanded. <coughs> I mean, there are many people pursuing this line: uh, Martin Sen uh, Martin Nuss- Nussbaum, many others. Uh, but at least we, you know, we have to start from that understanding that uh, more things matter than is catered for in the standard formula of economics. And finally, you know, we have to. This, it's human because we have an urgent need to address the plight of humanity as a whole and to make what we have to say relevant not just to our individual states but also to the world society that we're making. So, uh, To summarize, uh, the f- I mean we argue basically that the left is in a mess. Uh, the, the, either the center left swallows neoliberal recipes for wealth creation they say that's the only way you can do it and then limit themselves to adopting slightly less restrictive social policies or the far left wants to make a break with capitalism but has no idea how to get there to where it wants to go and uh, we are drawing on the inspiration that we've received from Marcel Mauss and Karl Polanyi in particular uh, believe that we should uh, develop new approaches to uh, a better world and a better place for most people to live in uh, by building on what already is, exists and by recognizing that, that the elements through which people build their local economies have far more in common than our uh, conventional historical and, 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 and comparative uh, stereotypes would suggest. So uh, and I, you know, I don't know whether I don't think I have to read that out, do I? You can read it. Uh, yeah, I hate it when people read uh, uh, quotes from uh, slides that everybody can see. So um, the, 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 the 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 this is my final slide. Uh, I tried to. I mean, I think it has to be said that this book is quite scholastic in a way. I mean, I hope that it's written in a style that is accessible to a wide range of people, but it's still, you know, quite heavy-going perhaps. I don't know. I mean, it would be interesting to know to get more feedback on that. Uh, In any case, uh, the first step in inserting this publication into an ongoing uh, uh, process is to get feedback from the public. I've actually... Um, presented this book in Pretoria in Berlin, in Oslo, in Paris and I'm going to do it in New York and so forth so that's the first stage the second uh, element of pushing the program forward I want to give the the idea that, uh, um, that uh, that we conceive of this process as an extension from what was already built up and everything is partial and temporary and just pushing the thing forward. Uh, the next stage for the three editors is to bring out uh, a Brazilian ed- edition of The Human Economy, which will be a, a more or less straight uh, translation. So that's another kind of recursive loop back into the origins of the project. What well, is very clear, uh, it became clearer to me in editing the book is that there is still almost nobody in this book from Asia or Africa, which so the the pretensions of 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 this project to be global uh, 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 in have made a major step in moving from French and Portuguese into uh, English, but it's still very limited uh, to uh, european north american uh, uh, Latin American uh, sources there's no one from North Africa, from the Middle East from the whole, nobody from India, China, Korea uh, not to mention the whole of Africa, South Africa and so forth, so uh, I I believe that that, that this will be one of the next urgent requirements of this project is to and that's one of the uh, uh, ideas behind this postdoctoral project in uh, Pretoria, which is to try and Uh, uh, recruit and develop uh, uh, the uh, program in that way. Um, There are several things that we introduced into this volume that were missing from the previous ones. I mean, there was nothing on information technology in the previous ones. There was uh, very little, uh, if anything, on uh, ecology, on energy. And we added some things uh, but it seems to me that uh, this project uh, has been conceived in terms which, uh, even at this stage in our volume, has not really come to terms with um, uh, the environmental movement, and uh, and and I I, I I I feel certain that that I mean we are entering a, a period in human history in which the only real sustained global ideological challenge to the free market idea is uh, green, you know. Uh, uh, and, and, and we're already seeing uh, convergences uh, between uh, green ideology and market ideology and green markets and so on. So I, I think that will have to be a, a, a major concern. Uh, So far, there has been no South-South dialogue outside Latin America. We have writers from Peru and Argentina and Brazil. Uh, But uh, uh, clearly, uh, if this thing has aspirations to becoming genuinely global, that has to develop. The North-South dialogue has previously been limited, more or less, to French engagement with Latin America. Uh, and uh, in the absence of Asia from this whole project I mean where is the room and has been the room for discussion of the shift of economic power from the West to the East all of which it seems to me we have to uh, uh, come to terms with and finally then uh, we want to see if this idea of the human economy takes off in any way how it gets developed, refined uh, uh, and, and it's not certain to me since I played the major part in promoting it uh, that the international project needs a notion like uh, the human economy It might well be able to proceed without it but it, it was an attempt in the first instance to shift away from the negation of the other economy in towards a, a, a vision if you like of 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 what might be uh, a means of achieving a better world for all of us uh, that had positive qualities and not just dialectically negative ones. Thank you. Thanks,
0: Keith. Um, so I think we're going to take questions one at a time. There's one or two microphones if you could just briefly sort of say who you are and then ask your question that would be great do we have any Deborah in the front row
1: say who you are I need to flick
2: Deborah James from, from Anthropology at LSE. Um, thanks, Keith. That was really interesting. I suppose you must have often been asked kind of questions that might sound reactionary, but I was just wondering about how a lot of the sort of critique of development, and especially the anthropological critique of development, has focused more on political inequalities and in political matters than it has actually on economic matters. And so, so issues of power and so on seem to become very much the, the focus of a lot of critical writing. But does your concept of the human economy address those issues or does it simply use the market or view the economy in this new sense as, as the motor of some completely different way to success?
1: Well, I think we've, we've learned that um, political democracy cannot be achieved without economic democracy. i mean if the aim presumably is democracy uh, that is putting as much uh, decision making as possible into the hands who are most affected by those decisions. Uh, most of the modernist uh, 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 approaches to achieving political Uh, a democracy focused on citizenship and various other uh, forms of representative institutions and so on and so forth. Uh, But in the end, the negation of democracy is inequality. There's no point in saying everybody can play, all you need is the money. Uh, 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 So um, uh, we assume that... uh, Uh, We accept that there are specialist discourses on power and politics and the rest of it, but uh, that any of those would have to uh, uh, come to terms with the economic means of realizing their goals. That's our speciality. Uh, We don't claim it's sufficient. Uh, uh, But we do say that a political democracy that is not based on greater economic freedom and equality isn't really worth having.
0: We'll go to the front row again.
3: Uh, Thanks, Keith. Uh, Matthew Engelke from uh, LSE Anthropology. Um, I I wonder if you can uh, relate what what you've been saying tonight to to some current issues uh, here in in Britain in relation to uh, ideas like the big society or more specifically uh, the work of uh, public intellectuals like Philip Blond talking about being uh, red Tories and uh, um, you know, the, these, these latest manifestations of w- which are in many ways a kind of critique, certainly for someone like Philip Blond, a kind of critique of neoliberalism, a critique of Thatcher a- and yet at the same time an, an incredibly kind of reactionary <laughs> um, you know kind of brutal, elitist, almost neo-feudal system. and I, So I, w- I wondered if you could kind of talk about those contemporary debates going on within British politics now, particularly in relation to your point about um, the way in which we, 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 we overemphasize the differences between different ideas of uh, economies being feudal or capitalistic or socialist.
1: Um. One of the reasons I live in Paris is so that I don't have to follow Cameron and Osborne's daily musings. Um, I probably wouldn't if I was here. But no, it's, it's a very serious question. It comes up a lot. Which is if you propose something in our world, you can usually find some rather unpleasant bedfellows for the idea. Uh, And I think this is because of the period we're in. We've just been through three decades of uh, of the developmental state, social democracy, Soviet communism, whatever. Three decades of neoliberalism. We, I believe, are in a critical turning point that has been unfolding over the last three years. Uh, But we're not yet in a position to be able to see uh, in retrospect, what is emerging now and, and what makes a coherent response to this situation. But, uh, uh, I mean, my mentor, who is an old West Indian revolutionary called CLR James, used to say, you know, that the important issue is not to define your, uh, which ideas are the right ideas, but to identify which are the principal sides in the question that concerns you, the social political question that concerns, uh, that co- concer- concerns you. So, um, uh, I mean, this, it seems to me that the, the basic question that we have is about levels of political organization, certainly in Britain. I mean, Britain's relationship to the EU, uh, the uh, 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 Britain's relationship to the United States and uh, its neo-colonial role in places that the United States prefers to bash up and so on and so so that these issues um, raise the question of of, of what is the what political units uh, are most uh, suited to achieving our ends whatever they may be and, and usually there is a choice between, let's say, those who believe we should strengthen the national, uh, the nation state uh, against globalizing influences or, or who actually welcome the idea that the world may be fragmenting in ways that wow. it has not previously or those uh, who, 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 who believe that the basic questions that we face, uh, environmental, uh, economic and and so on, uh, problems of war and uh, I mean require a strengthening of institutions at the global or uh, regional level such as the EU, NAFTA, uh, ASEAN, Mercosul and so on. So um, and if you look um, and I think a lot of the most uh, violent political uh, uh, conflicts come over uh, which side of that question people fall, whether they want higher levels of integration or or to shore up the status quo locally and uh, if you look at, at, at you know the nationalists, you will find uh, unions uh, greens uh, anti immigration racists uh, or, or a whole bunch of people if you look at the globalizers, you will find. The corporations, you will find the World Social Forum, and uh, so so. I think behind your question is the notion. I may may be anticipating uh, reading more into it. That that I mean, you are saying to me, what you know, what ideas are you proposing here, and what would you say if I say that people we all don't really like share those ideas? Uh, and, And I would say, well. First of all, you know, ideas are cheap. Anybody can have ideas. I mean, what matters is building the social organisation that will realise people's aspirations for a better life more effectively. And that, in many cases, is about uh, how to articulate local, regional, uh, national and global uh, levels of political coordination. I know it's not a direct engagement with Philip Lam, but I really don't want to go there.
0: Um, a few now. <laughs> Sylvia caught my eye first. Then we'll sort of go around and bring in some other people. Yeah, uh, uh, will you go first and then pass it on? Okay. Thank you. you
4: um, can I bring you to something slightly more specific? My name is Sylvia Chant from uh, Geography and Environment. I've been long fascinated by your work on the informal economy and I'm teaching on it next week so I'm very pleased to see in the human economy we have a chapter on the informal economy which I've been uh, taking furtive glances at um, uh, in the last few minutes and I notice at the end and you don't like reading your own slides but I'm going to read something to you from your own book Um, the informal uh, economy is uh, I've got to put my glasses on sorry Uh, Formal economy is one way of pointing to how people devise their own means of survival and sometimes of prosperity in the urban labour markets that spring up spontaneously to meet their needs. Now, as I understand it, in most parts of the global south, informal economic activity has been a growing proportion uh, of economic activity in urban areas, um, and even in Latin America, I believe it's now above 50%. This seems to be something of an inexorable trend at the moment um, and um, a lot of debate around exit, exclusion and so forth. Um, But do you feel it is likely that um, we're ever going to be in a position where the majority are ever employed formally again or is informality the way it's going to go forever now, and how does that uh, shape up with notions of decent work? Sorry, it's a big question. Yeah, no,
1: no, no, Mm. I think it's a very straightforward question. Um, uh, I mean, what you're saying is, uh, is there any way of returning to the 1970s? Uh, I mean, is there any way of returning to a situation where intellectuals advised governments on how they were going to deliver proper jobs to the masses. That was the context in which I invented the concept. Um, I think that the... I mean, there's been a massive explosion of informality uh, in the last 30 years, much beyond anything that I could have anticipated in 1970, and a large part of that has been the result of uh, neoliberal economic policies uh, deregulation pulling the state back and so on so that even uh, you know bombay municipal council is being privatized and casualized as part of some efficiency program so uh, uh, and the world economy is informal i mean you know the, the, the if you look at drugs uh, armaments uh, I mean, it's all being carried out outside any meaningful uh, regulation. There's, um, uh, you know, John Perkins wrote a book that you know, I was an economic hitman, meaning, you know, I went out to destabilise uh, third world countries in the interests of American capital and foreign policy. Uh, so. Uh, the fact is, the informal economy is deeply embedded in the illegal and criminal actions of the corporations who are supposed to represent the formal economy. So I think that the, the, the I mean, I, if, if people start telling me that the informal economy applies to 70 to 90 percent of Africa, then i say, well, we need another term, really. I mean, what, I mean, the informal economy idea was always negative. It was not regulated by state bureaucracy and law. But what is it? I mean, if it's so big, if there are so many things going on, what are the positive social principles that organize this? And in many cases, they're criminal, uh, religious, kinship, you know, you name it. So uh, our project—I uh, uh, mean, what I think, especially in Latin America—the uh, the, the, uh, this uh, other economy project is aimed at finding some new and positive institutional uh, initiative to organise people's attempts to build up uh, 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 their economic circumstances. I mean, in in, in Brazil, uh, it's certainly not been accompanied by a diminution of uh, the role of organized labor in many other places. In Bolivia, Ecuador and other places, uh, people have said, look, we're not going to accept anymore a definition of economy which treats everything that indigenous peoples do as being uh, uh, backward, primitive and a waste of time. And this is being written into the Constitution in, in Ecuador now, so uh, I think that, uh, and in France, you know Jean Louis uh, Laville, my, my colleague, uh, is actively involved in uh, 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 a wide range of associations which are challenging the law on enterprises, saying there have to be other ways of building an enterprise than uh, uh, the law of the capitalist firm. Uh, there are, you know, I mean, the, just to take one, one example, AMAP, which is a, 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 an association that is concerned with uh, getting small farmers into contractual relations with urban consumers to buy a basket of vegetables and fruits on a regular basis. There are 4,000 of these in France, 4,000. And they are. Uh, 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 animated by the ideas of José Bove and others who believe that the environmentalists and the small farmers and the urban consumers could come together to create a new social force. But in, in what's specific, I think, in the French example and in some of the Latin American examples is the detail with which the institutional practice is gone into. And If you look I mean, in the 1930s, in the United States, institutionalist economists outnumbered neoclassical economies three to one. And uh, John Commons wrote his book, Institutional Economics, and this book was aimed at, you know, how do you get car workers back on assembly lines in Michigan? What, it's not about, you know, how, do, how would markets work perfectly if we had them, sort of thing. So, so I, I really believe that that, that I mean, I'm thank you for the question. I, I think, I think nostalgia for a time in which you got a good job for life, really has gone. I mean, I told my daughter when she was 17. Uh, I, I remember we were in Rottenstall in Lancashire, on a, a, a big mansion overlooking the valley going down to Manchester, and we were sitting there and looking at this vista, and I said, you know. When you go to university, you know, you must have it, you mustn't have in mind having a career like mine or your mother's. And she burst into tears and got very angry and said, you're just jealous, you don't want us to have, you know, what what, what you have. But she ended up doing theatre at Goldsmiths and she's now got a production company in Hollywood. So, uh, 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 (laughs) I'm not saying there's a causal connection. But but I, I really do think that uh, the 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 dream of of providing you know solid decent work for life or you know on a permanent basis will have to be changed. But that doesn't mean that political and legal guarantees for decent working conditions can't be arrived at in another way. Sorry to have taken so long, but it's the nub of the question. Yeah. Just
0: behind. Thanks. We'll go to you afterwards.
5: Um, Pan Savanasing from the Government Department. Uh, I just had a question. I I think that the human economy ideal looks uh, a lot, it looks quite similar to a social democratic ideal. And um, relating to your point about how this project would move forward to places like Asia and Africa, where well, I guess the tradition of the left, or the history or the trajectory of the left in, in parts of uh, Asia, are quite different. Um, I just wanted to pose the question: How would you make the case um, in the Asian context, or for countries in Asia, in Asia and right? Africa. For a modernist project, uh, well, the African, you I see, think I the African, think this is for a modernist, modernist project that is more that is for a vision of economic democracy and social protection, versus I think what the modernist project has been sold in, in Asia as you know fast growth oligarchic sort of style ah. growth and how would you make that case then for an alternative well, well, vision of a of modernist all, project? Thank that's, you.
1: that's a great question, thank you. Uh, I don't know. I mean you know because I'd have to be engaged in a social... I can't just make up a story out of the top of my head if I haven't engaged with Asian scholars and activists on this question. But the, I mean, the point you make uh, yes I think you're right that this has its roots in the social democratic project although uh certainly in Latin America there are many uh prominent members of the movement who 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 link into autonomous uh, traditions and some of them you know crypto stalinist uh, 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 uh so 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 um, I, th- I yeah i mean it That's a good question for highlighting what I can't answer. I mean, I, 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 at least at this. I mean, as I say, I mean, it's hard to convey the intellectual labour that is involved in taking a project uh, that has been defined exclusively in terms of Portuguese, Spanish, and French, and bringing it to an English-speaking audience without transforming it into a species of Cameranology <laughs> uh, uh, so so, uh, and and uh, you know what, all I can think of is pushing the boat further uh, a step at a time so that I, I, I mean I, I, I've been working in South Africa for 13 years and I have good connections there and I've managed to uh, set up uh, a series of uh, initiatives there and I started you know getting my ideas out into the newspapers, and so forth. Uh, and, and one of the things that would come up there instantly would be how does this idea of human economy play in relation to Ubuntu, for example. But uh, this issue of, uh, of, of, of the Asian model, you know, the China-Korea model of, of, of uh, get there fast and never mind what you lose in the way of social values, um I, I just am not I, i'm not in a position to address that in, in an interesting way i'm sorry uh i mean it i i also think that if we don't address that question uh then 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 our our our, our uh, uh enterprise w- In future, will be very limited in its uh, in its value. But it is the case, as you know, you know that the Asians have stayed out of a lot of this uh, debate. uh, I I guess it's not entirely true of the Indians, but uh, 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 but they have a different political tradition. Uh, But uh, I mean, I mean the, the 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 issue of of developing a vision of the world, a post-Cold War world, that takes into account what uh, is coming out of Asia now. And not just Asia, I mean, what's coming out of Latin America now. I mean, we are moving into uh, a a multipolar world, uh, which is very different from the United States-dominated Cold War and post-Cold War world. We're looking at... uh, Um, What what is that? Um, I'm sorry, I got distracted. Um, uh, The other thing is, you know, the world that we have, the modernist world that you referred to, was founded on on profound economic uh, divergence between the West and the rest around a century ago. And I believe that what we're looking at now is not only the emergence of several... Uh, centers of economic and political power, but also a striking convergence as the West loses its marbles and, and other people uh, rise and so forth. So, I think this multipolar convergent world is one that we need to address, but I think we have to overcome considerable handicaps in terms of the way these things have been addressed before. And I, I, you know, I, for that reason, I can't answer uh, your question cleverly, <laughs> uh, My name is Sachin. I'm from uh, Cities program. Um, you pointed out uh, earlier you started with the definition of economy. And it reminds me that economy and ecology, they share a common root. So I had a question, Professor. Uh, does your uh, human economy project does it uh, establish or does it explore relationship between uh, some kind of conceptual relationship in, between economy and ecology? Uh, well, I said at the end in the last slide that that's the next step. I mean, the, it seems we have made some effort. We've discussed uh, one of the chapters concerned uh, alternative energy. Uh, one chapter looks at ecological economics. Another looks at, you know, local development from a small is beautiful point of view. But I think what I acknowledged at the end was, is that we haven't addressed uh, uh, the relationship between economy and ecology effectively here. It wasn't addressed at all in the previous book. Uh, uh, as I say, it's a question of extension. But the, the fact that these two words uh, sound alike I mean, the difference between them is that the Greeks uh, made up um, economy and uh, Haeckel invented ecology in the 1880s. I mean, it's a neologism that he... And the, the eco in both cases is house, is home. Is the, I mean, so he was saying what we need is a science of what makes up a habitat, a home. And the economy was originally, how can we organize, order the affairs of a house? Uh, but, I, you know, I, I, I fully accept the, the weight of your question. I would love it if I got questions on what I said in, instead of what I didn't say. But the, the, the uh, 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 you know, you always want to go ahead. I mean, can't you live in the present for a change? <laughs>
0: The gentleman at the back said he's going to ask you a question about um, and then we'll, we'll, Yeah, I'll okay, us on this side, and then I'll be
6: take us up towards eight. Hi, my name is Miguel Santillana. I'm Peruvian, and I'm a per- Peruvian economist and anthropologist. Um, um, about your presentation, for me, it's very interesting in the sense that two-thirds of my economy, two-thirds of the GDP is informal although we've been in 20 years of a neoliberal policy, we really managed to reduce poverty from 70% to 38%. The next step is what is uh, our main concern, in the sense that although we could grow at 10% in the last five years, even with the financial crisis, we grew at 1%. Last year we grew 10%. uh, We do not have the institutions to sustain the market. Because two thirds of my GDP is made of informal activities, drug dealers, informal miners, uh, illegal, all sorts of illegal uh, trafficking, and since today we are number one producers of fake American currency. Okay, so the whole problem is how to build institutions to continue with our development process.
1: What you mean is make it respectable. I mean, I mean, the, the, you, you said that we don't have the, the institutions to make a market. Or, I mean, I mean, these activities that you that you describe are commercial, aren't they? Uh, but the, but you you're saying you want to 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 bring them into the sphere of of legal commerce, is that? And that, I mean, I, I, I'm having difficulty. Uh, I mean, first of all, let me. No, I think you said plenty. Um, the first point you're making is is that there is a, a caricature of neoliberal or the neoliberal period, which makes out that it's a huge mistake, a, no, a catastrophe. Say, yeah. Or I'm not te- accusing you of that because you, you, you because the, the information you gave. But I mean, a lot of people talk about it as if it's a, a, a benighted conspiracy. But uh, compared, I mean, I remember when in the 1970s, you know, in, in living in Britain when Harold Wilson was the Prime Minister, and all, uh, you know, they imposed limits on, you know, nobody could take more than 300 pounds out of the country, you know. And these days, whenever I land in an airport somewhere and I stick my plastic in the wall, I say, fuck you, Harold Wilson. (laughs)
0: Uh, But,
1: but, you know, so, so, I mean, and, 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 you know, there are... I mean, you know, look at Angola, which had uh, the, the highest growth rate in the world, 23% in 2009. Uh, Angolan women, you know, jumping onto planes, going off to Dubai, Johannesburg, Rio, Paris, uh, London, uh, buying Vuitton handbags, coming back, flogging them in the streets. I mean, this, this, this freedom of movement... Uh, of women in this case, uh, who, uh, during the long period of the war, uh, kept some kind of economy going while the men and the boys shot each other's legs off. I mean, these women have a freedom of movement and money and commerce, you know, which, which, which is kind of inspiring to me in some ways. So, when you said, you know, that, that although the economy is uh, heavily informalized, nevertheless, there have been really substantial uh, uh, achievements in the way of poverty reduction. I mean, this, it seems to me, you know, raises questions about how we characterise the uh, recent period and the dominant economic institutions and so on. I can't answer... I I, I, I mean, whether or not you consider the scope of informal economy to be a problem or not, I mean, varies. Uh, but uh, and, and, and I have been invited many times to advise on that question, and I don't ever came up with a reasonable answer, but thank you.
0: We've just got time for quick ones. Uh, yep, right at the back.
7: Thank you. Um, I have just uh, one quick observation and probably a question. The observation is this, that uh, I, I do share, I'm I'm from Development Studies Department and I'm not a trained anthropologist, not a trained economist. Uh, the interesting thing uh, that seems to me from your lecture is that uh, for last one and a half years since the financial crisis took place in this school, most of the public lectures on financial crisis have been by economists and it struck me today as extraordinary that most of these lectures were actually leaving out about 90 to 95 percent of uh, economy of developing countries, including India, where from I come. So that struck me as very important. Uh, The question then is, uh, and you have been talking about how uh, uh, there have been very few people in your project from Asia and India, and it seems to me that I'm not a trained uh, anthropologist, and probably therefore the question is wrong, maybe wrong, I'm just wondering. But it seems to me that in the last 20 years, uh, probably because of uh, two combined uh, revolutions that have taken place in anthropology, works uh, by Foucault and probably also Clifford Gage, a huge section of anthropology has taken a very literary, very culturist kind of turn. And to that extent, it has moved away from political economy engagements. And that has also uh, dented the capacity of anthropologists to make very meaningful contributions to the debate that we have on financial markets or on globalization or on neoliberal policies that we have. Do you share that kind of, uh, do you think that that, that is a correct Idea that
1: yeah I have. Uh, the first point is that uh, I may not get an opportunity in London or Paris to do that, but next month i 'm going to give a big public lecture at NYU in New York. Uh, the title is "Is Money the root of the Financial Crisis which is semi ironic but the the, the, the uh, Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I think that, I mean, my belief is that that free market economics is whole below the water, uh, will never recover. I mean, it's impossible uh, uh, to argue, you know, that the economy should not be conceived of as being social, uh, politically organized, uh, based on institutions, after the experience of the last two years. So... Uh, but that doesn't mean that there aren't many vested interests seeking to maintain the notion that, that they don't have to change their ideas. And uh, it's up to us. I mean, this book is, is conceived of as a contribution to those who would like to strengthen the, their critique of, of, of these mainstream ideas. As for the relationship between anthropology, economy and culture, uh, this is not something restricted to anthropology. In fact, uh, the economists, when they uh, address something they don't know anything about, call it culture. I mean, <laughs> it's their favourite word. I mean, they say they come up to you, say they say you're an anthropologist. Boy, do I need an anthropologist because I've got these ideas about culture. You know what I mean? The, 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 uh, and then he goes on to tell you, you know, that he's studying the informal economy from Belgium's government records, and uh, and he's interested in a cultural interpretation of the informal economy in Belgium. And I say, but I mean, I, you know. Uh. Anyway, so 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 so, but th- so this shift to culture is a neoliberal phenomenon. There's no question about it. Uh, and the anthropologists, as always, have been passive in following trends set outside their discipline. Uh, just because, you know, Clifford Geertz got onto a bandwagon in the 1970s doesn't mean that it explains why every anthropologist, you know, uh, is quoting Geertz now. So, 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 uh, uh, I believe that. Uh, uh, i mean that 's what the book that, you know the economic anthropology book Chris Han Keith, Hart i mean is a devastating critique of this uh, stage and it 's not just uh, you know revivalists you know wish we could go back to the Marxist historical political economy of the 1970s I mean there is uh, extraordinarily good work being done on a very wide front by uh, anthropologists uh, who studied the ethnography of finance, for example, and who never mentioned the word culture uh, Karen Hose uh, liquidated uh, uh, an ethnography of wall street uh, engages uh, quite uh, uh, strongly with the uh, with the question of where did this uh, this this financial excess come from and uh, where might it go so uh, you know i, I on the whole, I've discovered, you know, life is short. I don't try to spend too much time dissing people I don't like. I mean, the, the important thing is to spread the word of the stuff that I like. And I think most of that stuff, I wouldn't.
0: Very conscious that there are quite a few more people who would like to ask questions, but I think we're going to have to go to the last one with the person that's got the mic, which is Kate.
8: Hello, I'm Kate Maher from development studies here at the LSE, and I'd like to come back to the question of power, um, which your first questioner brought up. I'm wondering whether your concept of the human economy doesn't risk confusing um, dynamism and creativity with power, and I I ask that really from a, a practical point of view. Is it wise to get progressive elements in the world to focus on popular self-organization at a time when the very capitalist elements that you're concerned about are increasingly concentrated in large corporations and linked with national governments?
3: Um,
8: Issues of, of formality and informality are also issues of power. Informal organizations lack the leverage and the authority, really, to do the kinds of things that large, concentrated formal institutions can do. And you might actually run the risk of shooting yourself in the foot if that issue of power isn't brought directly into the notion. Well, this of is, uh, you know,
1: issues of power you're talking about is almost like getting into some predictive uh, uh, prescription as to, as to what you do uh, when the heavy mob kind of uh, get involved. But, I mean, and, and several people have talked as if the informal economy is the only idea in this book. But it isn't. I mean, uh, we have a chapter on corporate social responsibility. And we are interested in, uh, and that chapter on corporate social responsibility uh, addresses the, the difference between the behavior of corporations in North America and Europe and in places like Latin America. And,. Uh, I mean in my own work, uh, uh, Oliver Williamson th- who invented the term new institutional economics got the so-called Nobel Prize last year uh, and he got it really for, for, for his work in advancing the cause of corporate self-government. I mean he's worked on the, the border, the, 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 the opaque border between government and business and has, you know, I mean, is concerned with developing ideas that would allow uh, corporations increasingly to distance themselves from any outside form of regulation. Uh, so uh, uh, I mean I, I don't know what impression I give in 45 minutes or whatever it is about the arguments that are mobilized in this book but there are 32 chapters and they do engage with uh, practical questions of economic development at levels that do include not just uh, um, uh, corporations but also the international organizations, uh, the IMF World Bank and WTO and so on and so forth. I mean, it's true that we can't uh, uh, address all the levels of political organization that might come to play in pursuing a, a particular economic program, but we the aim of the book is to give people who are willing to insert themselves into those political struggles some um, advice and, 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 and point of entry into the literature that might uh, help them to come to terms with it and if we and if you represent what we 're about as just being about um, uh, popular self-organisation then that simply isn't the case I mean uh, well I, 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 I could go on but I think I would sound even more defensive than I am already
0: which would be wrong so I think uh, we'll, we'll end it there, I'd like to thank the LSE event staff as always for helping putting on this event uh, Thanks. it was a very good turnout tonight, thanks very much for some very good questions before you go. Keith is going to be doing, as he said at the beginning, a, a book signing just outside, so it might be best if you nip off first and do that. But first of all, we'd just like to thank you very much for coming and talking to us this evening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.